Thank you for listening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Simply Finance with Shane White. Uh, today is a very special episode. Uh, it's our second guest on the podcast, and um, none other than Thorne Murphy, uh, a longtime friend, uh, used to be a colleague, uh, worked together at my first real job at a college at Cummins. Uh, he was kind of like a, like a big bro on my finance team. He's a few years older than me, and uh, taught me a lot of stuff and had a couple fun years together at down at Cummins. So uh, Thorne, though, has, you know, I let him kind of go into his background a little bit, but uh, he's, uh, I thought he'd be someone great to have on the podcast. He has a little bit different finance background um, than me, and I think he's got, uh, he's in a really cool spot right now that I think a lot of you could gain a lot of value from. So uh, without further ado, welcome, Thorne. Thanks for taking the time. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, you just want me to get back into kind of my background to explain sure, everybody? Sure, yeah. You want to just give a little like rundown of you and, and we can go from there? So, the start with the highlights. I am married with two kids, uh, <laughs> Chase and Carson, four and two years old. I'm born and raised out of Columbus, Indiana, um, Cummins headquarters, right? So, I went up through school through Columbus and then I went to Butler University where I majored in finance. Um, after, the fi- uh, after I got my degree, I went on to Cummins Financial Development Program, where I was there for two years, um, traveled every six months around the world. Um, and then I spent another five years at Cummins before uh, Geesting Financial reached out to me and they asked if I could run the Columbus, Indiana Geesting Financial Office. Um, and it was just too good of an opportunity for me to pass up. So I decided to take the leap of faith, and I've been here, um, been a financial advisor for a little more than two years now. Awesome. Very cool. What I was curious, because we hadn't really talked about this off the podcast, but uh, was financial planning, that was always something you were passionate about, right? Like that was kind of what you knew you wanted to do long term? Yes. So when I was in college, I never wanted to work at Cummins um, just because <laughs> of being um, being from Columbus, I knew everybody that went, that seemed like they worked at Cummins. And don't get me wrong, Cummins was a great company, did great things by me. I enjoyed my time there. But when I was in college, I interned for the company that we just recently bought out. Oh, wow. As well as, yeah, as well as Merrill Lynch there in Indianapolis. So it was always something that I was leaning towards. But I did an internship with Cummins before my senior year. And they gave me uh, a job offer before my senior year. So awesome. it was like, and in 2012, the economy was a little rough. And it's, right. uh, it was a lot more security aspect of it. I mean, I was 21, 22 years old. And I'm supposed to go to people and say, hey, invest your money with me. And I don't have any experience. So going the Cummins route actually helped me in the long run. Because let alone, I got to know a lot more people. Oh, but sure. uh, just so running your own business, you get that aspect, especially in plant finance at Cummins. So you understand looking at the P&L balance sheet, more the accounting side of running a business. Now, I had to learn a lot of the advising side of it, but that's something that you I feel like I quickly picked up on. And it was something I was always passionate about. So it was pretty easy. Yeah. No, it's an interesting to, to make route. That transition. Yeah, because I feel like, and I'm sure you were the same way. I feel like a lot of people I went to school with in college, 
most people either were going this corporate finance route and then you had a few people doing the like advising route. But I don't know very many people that did the corporate, got the experience and probably a little more of the age that people need to trust with their wealth and then jumped. I think it's it, cool. It's like a cool, it was a cool opportunity you got to do. Yeah, it is a weird dynamic. Now, a lot of my uh, clients come from those relationships that I have built over those years. Right. So it's um, a lot of the way I look at it, it speaks volume that I did a good enough job at my previous roles that they trust me to handle their own personal finances. So right. it, it's like, okay, I would have never had that connection if I would have made the jump right out of college. Sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. You would have, you would have been like going to friends and family probably first, you know, well, you still go to, you still go sure, to friends and family do. first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But you, as soon as you start picking it up and then you get a little, a couple years under your belt. And what's really helped me is I interned with a guy here in town and Geesting Financial, we're merging the practice and it's pretty much the acquisition, but he's in his 60s. Okay. So when he's in his 60s, he has a lot of older clientele. Sure. And we're transitioning his clientele to me. I want to say older is older than my clientele. I don't want to um, do it that way. But yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, he's an older gentleman and he, his friends, his family, everybody's older. So what has helped is he's been staying on for the past couple of years. And he's going to stay on for the next year or two working on the transition of his clients. Oh, so okay. what, yeah. So it's been a really good transition for us, but now transition was very difficult. Uh, hundreds of families in a yeah. couple of months transition, transitioning them over. But that has helped me with referral piece of it because at first you're doing the friends and family mm-hmm. and then you're trying to start networking and get stuff outside of there. But when you have a bigger nest, so to speak, that can refer you, uh, Hey, I'm in it for a couple of years with these clients and they're realizing I'm doing a great job for them. So the referral, uh, how do I say this? The referral basket yeah. is getting greater and greater. So referrals keep coming in. So that's, that's a good spot where we're in right now. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So you actually have like a change of leadership coming soon. Yeah. So the, the way we're structured as a financial advisor, so we, I'm a, my RIA is prime capital investment advisors. So we're technically underneath them, but we're independent at the same time. Our company is called Geesting Financial. Um, So there's two other advisors in Batesville, Indiana, and they were looking to expand to a, kind of a little bit bigger of a city. Okay. And Columbus was a logical choice for them. So they wanted to open a Geesting Financial in Columbus. Yeah. So through conversations, they got a hold of my name. And then one thing led to the other. And then now we're here. Networking. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I think my, my, I sent you over a couple of things I, I was thinking it'd be cool to talk about. And I think for like the audience that we have at, for Simply Finance, um, I thought what would be cool, I, we kind of lean a little bit to the younger, like middle age to younger demographic. Okay. And so I know for me personally, um, without speaking for anyone else, like I, coming from finance, I always have been the kind of person that um, I feel like I can handle all of it. 
I'm like, oh, I, I have a finance background. I work in finance. Like, like I want to do all my own investing and retirement planning. But then I know I've talked to you and I have a few other friends that I've talked to in the advising side that like, it's amazing every time I talk to someone in that line of work, how much I don't know, obviously. And so I think it'd be interesting to kind of just chat through like almost like a one-on-one of like what you guys do and then like how at a very high level, maybe like, you know, how do you, uh, how, how should people think about that even at like our age in our late twenties, early thirties and we're, you know, we have a long life ahead of us, hopefully. Okay. I mean, so what we end up doing at Geestine Financial is we're a comprehensive planning firm. So the first thing that we end up doing is getting all the information. So um, with getting the information, what do you, do you have any investments currently? Do you have a budget that's in place? Do you have a will setups? Um, we, do you have life insurance? So we do the whole shebang. So it's not just Hey, give me your money. Let us invest. Okay. But, yeah. and most of the people who are younger want to focus on just the investing part. Right. Sure. And Hey, I yeah. And, and that's understandable, but to be able to start investing, I got to make sure that that client has emergency fund or if say, say you come to me and say, Hey, I want to invest $5,000. Well, you have $5,000 in your savings account. You don't have anything else, right? It's right. not smart for me to take that money and invest because you need to have an emergency fund set up. So we always start with kind of a budget. You know, it doesn't matter if you have millions of dollars or rubbing pennies together for a foundational plan. Budgeting always starts at number one. Um, but just to make sure that, Hey, I have this X disposable income. I can choose to do what I want with it. If I have debt, it depends on everybody's situations different, but we just don't look at, Hey, okay, this person wants to invest this money. I'm going to invest it. I don't care about the rest of their finances or anything. Right. So it, it just leads into following steps in an investment piece of it. I have, I have a viewpoint on investments when people are just starting out. So I like when people have a 401k that they can contribute to, right? Okay. Hey, I don't get paid on it just so everybody knows. Yeah. I want someone to take advantage of the free money as much as possible. Sure. So okay. there's the steps that I usually take is, hey, contribute to your 401k or 403b, whatever your company offers if they offer it. If not, then we need to start taking advantage of a Roth IRA. So it's kind of a get the match at the company. Then the next step is fully fund your Roth if you're eligible. Okay. So for the 101 Roth uh, discussion is yeah. a Roth is, so it's already taxed money. So it's in your bank account and then we invest it. And then all the growth in that account is tax-free when you pull it out at retirement. Right. So I always use this. So we use the saying as, would you rather, we're in Indiana, so we're a big farming <laughs> of <course>. area. <laughs> would, you, would you rather play taxes on the seed or the crop? Oh, so if that's a, cool analogy. A, Roth, a Roth IRA, you're playing it on the seed. A traditional IRA is uh, on the crop. So a lot of 401ks have Roth options now. Now make sure your company matches on the Roth portion if you do it. Okay. But most of the time they only... 
they only uh, match your pre-tax portion. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah. Okay. Got it. So like, um, but there's usually steps and especially if you start having children, mm-hmm. you need to get protected. Sure. Um, yeah. For, so definitely. a version of life insurance as well for people in the twenties and thirties. I mean, you can get a million dollars of coverage for $500 a year. I mean, it's oh, wow. not, it's not that expensive for 20 yeah. years you pay it in. Um, but so there's multiple elements to that as well. Okay. Got so it. It's just what, whatever they want to um, provide or what are the goals because, and that's probably even before any of this is what do you want to accomplish by coming to me? Like, what do you want to get set up? Most of the time for people who are younger are, I just want this money to grow, baby. Yeah. Right. For sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're like, like okay. you know, if you're in your, one of your first jobs, I think like, at that time, yeah. you're thinking about there's so much runway and you think you're going to make so much more of your lifetime. You just want to make money, make money. And I, I noticed a lot of uh, younger advisors or younger advisors, younger clients get a little more. So if the do-it-yourselfers kind of, yeah, they exactly. get a little more, um, get a more, a little more paranoid when the market is making, has all this volatility sure. and people are just set and forget it. Right. Um, and your 401, 401ks, any stuff that you can't touch to your 59 and a half anyway, it's best, uh, hey, what are your risk tolerances? If it's grip it, rip it, just keep it, let it ride. Love it. Don't, try yeah. to ti- don't try to try to uh, time the market. Most of the time, I would say, not all the time, but usually it's a losing battle if you try to time the market. Um, it's more about time in the market versus timing the market. Honestly, so, it's like the good old um, Warren Buffett saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's true, though. Yeah. I mean, right now is a good um, is a good time to kind of look at that because, especially if people our age. Now it's different when you're getting older or closer to retirement. But if you ended up um, right after this pandemic occurred in ten days, the market went down like thirty some percent, right? Right. Or I mean, it went down significantly. And then and he said, "Hey, I can't handle anymore. I'm getting out. I'm going to move to cash." Well, if you stayed out this last month, you missed one of the best months in the history of the stock market. So, and then all of a sudden you get back in now and there's potential, there's a lot of earnings reports in that you could end up getting negatively hit twice. But if you stayed in there, you're going to have your ebbs and flows. So it's trying to talk. One of our biggest things is educating the client and trying to make them to do the smartest decision possible. Okay. But at the end of the day, I work for these clients. Yeah. So I just can give them the advice and then do what they, they have the final say. Um, and sometimes that's hard. And sometimes I'm not necessarily um, the best fit for some clients because um, if they don't take my advice, there's no real, there's no real relationship there. So it's like, right. okay, but um, everybody's different on that re- regard. I'm sure. I'm sure. You covered a lot there. I think what the beginning you said, I thought was interesting is you start with a budget and I, it's something I haven't really talked about on this podcast, but it's amazing to me as I meet more people and talk to more people that are even, you know, our age or actually even older that have never done a budget really. And they've always just kind of, just kind of made it work and made their payments and try to save some here. And do you have, I guess, I guess my question would be, uh, do you have suggestions for people if they are working with you or not? Like, how do you, 
how do you start a budget? Like what, what's a good tool or a place or what do you, what do you suggest? The easiest way to, we create for our company, um, we've created a, a Excel document for okay. the client. Yeah. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't have to use mine. What I started out with when I was at Cummins and I've always been on this kind of side of things anyway, is sure. I listed out, we got my wife and I work, both worked at Cummins. So we got paid on the first and the 15th, first uh -huh. and the 15th. So I split it out for first two weeks and second, uh, well, first half of the month, second half of the month, what bills were going to come in. And I just said, Hey, my income flows, my expenses. And I try to stick to that as much as possible. If my, depends if my wife had anything to do with it or not, <laughs> but, um, but then I had a discretionary income bucket where okay. I was like, okay, Hey, if we had a little bit of extra uh, spending, it came out of that bucket. But the remainder, I tried to put it to work because we were in a good situation where we worked for a couple years um, before we got married. So that emergency fund bucket was already full. Okay. So we, we got to the point where our emergency fund was full. That discretionary income was either being spent or being invested. Okay. So, and, and I guess to, to, to go back real quick too, I, I think it's something I, I hear different across the board. What, what is your suggestion on in a, in a, like a healthy emergency fund? So it depends. That's, that's an interesting question. Usually if you want to go from three to six months is usually pretty healthy. Okay. It depends on, um, three, three to six months of expenses. Yeah. So okay. you know that of your expense. So in some people for that sleep quota, they want to sleep at night, just knowing they have that cash, let's move it towards six months, especially when you're younger. I see a lot of people that, uh, get a couple thousand dollars in their savings account. And then they're like, Hey, let's invest. And it's like, Hey, let's build this up a little bit. If you lost your job, you have to pull all this out immediately and pay a 10% penalty of a traditional IRA. Right. Right. So we need to be fiduciaries of our clients money. Okay. And, but if you end up looking at roughly, if you, you could do about three months and be pretty comfortable, but some people, couldn't sleep at night knowing that they only had that much money in there. So then we lean towards the six months and you think above that, Hey, let's get it to work. Yeah. And I would think even after all of the COVID time, all this stuff that people are probably going to, the, the amount of people that are losing their jobs today, you have to imagine that a lot of that will change and people will probably start leaning on the six month or even, you know, who knows, it just seems like having cash is, uh, this is very evident how important it is to have stuff that you can use, you know, if you, your job doesn't, isn't well, here tomorrow for, for sure. Because I mean, if you look at it from an investment point of view, um, let alone comprehensive planning is, Hey, you need that emergency fund just for situations like, Hey, you lose your job, but you also want to be able to not have to access your investments during a down market. Yeah. So the last thing you want to do is pull from a depreciating asset. Okay. So yeah, right, in that, right, right. So, I mean, say you have $100,000 in the account, the market goes 10%, but you pull out another 10%, right? So you're at $80,000. If the market goes up 20%, you're still not at $100,000. Right. So like, it doesn't, doesn't work that way. So if you can keep that 10% out of there and the market goes up, goes up half, close to half that, a little bit more, then you're back to square one instead of having to pull out of a depreciating asset. 
Got it. Yeah, it makes sense. So when that, um, regarding that topic, that's where a lot of our whole life insurance concepts come into play. Okay. So um, a lot of people have mixed emotions about it. So if you talk to like Dave Ramsey, he does, yeah, not, li- yeah. he does not like whole life insurance because it is expensive. Okay. Um, but there is multiple um, evidence out there. Wealth, you use wealth building cornerstones that most of the time you will be, well, I say most of the time, almost all the time you will be in a better situation if you have whole life insurance and investments versus just one or the other. Yeah. So the reason that is, could you maybe even, even real quickly explain what whole life insurance is for people that don't know? Okay. So you have multiple things of life insurance. I mainly deal with term and whole life. I keep it very simple. Um, Term is hey, you're renting it. So for 20 year term, say, like I said, a million dollars, or five hundred dollars. It depends on your health, right? Yeah. Okay. But so you pay five hundred dollars a year for twenty years. If you don't use it, you lose it. Hopefully, you don't use it, um, okay. and then it's gone. And then if you want to re um, get new insurance after the twenty years when you're fifty, you have to get retested and everything. Yeah. So it's like an insurance policy in case something happens to you, but you don't get anything at the end if you're okay. No, no, you do not. Now, this is you can convert some of that from term to whole life insurance. That's a whole different discussion as well. Oh, okay. But, yeah, sure. Well, whole life insurance is more expensive, a lot more expensive, but it lasts for you forever. So with clients that are relatively younger, um, I like doing well, or not alone younger everywhere. I like doing what's called like a 10 pay. Okay. So you pay for it for 10 years and you're done. But oh. so, you pay 10 years for life insurance and then it's with you forever. And that dividend keeps on increasing that value in that cash value in the whole life insurance. So there's two different buckets. You have your death benefit and your cash value. So a lot of tax-free growth as well. So it's a, we use it as a tax-free growth bucket. So um, right now you could pull out of that cash value, say it, it, sorry, this is no. This is, I think this is interesting because like, okay. I don't think a lot of people know the intricacies of this stuff until you talk to someone like you, to be honest. <laughs> so whole life insurance works a lot differently than like a 401k. So to put it in perspective, they work completely opposite. Okay. So with a 401k, you are getting, or a traditional IRA, you are getting the benefit now. Hey, you don't have to pay any taxes on it, right? Mm-hmm. So you're getting a benefit and at the end, you have to pay taxes on all that money, all of it, all the growth. Right. And you're also paying whatever the tax rate is then, right? We don't yes. know what it will be in the future. And if you had to assume that we just gave out $6 trillion. Yeah. Money, um, I would <laughs> a little detail. <laughs> no big deal. I, I would assume that it would go up, but you never know. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but um, whole life insurance, you don't see the cash value rise at the beginning, right? Okay. So, um, say you did a $10,000 a year, 10 pay. So I just wrote, I just wrote a $15,000, 10 pay product. Okay. Um, kids are 30 years old, 30 and 28 year one, roughly the death benefit, um, was around $600,000. So oh, wow. for example, so you put $15,000 in, if you die the next day, you got $600,000. Oh, wow. But, okay. 
But as time goes on and you put that $15,000, you put $150,000 in, right? That you have cash value in there sitting at that account. That and that's gold. just what you contributed to it? Or well, is it... the that you get a dividend in it and it ranges different okay. companies, but say four to 5% dividend that gets put into that cash value each year. But even after year 10, you're done paying it. That money is still getting credit to your cash value in your account and your death benefit oh. is growing at the same time. So you could use it as a tax-free bucket of growth that you can pull from yourself and you could use that money as pretty much instead of you going to the bank to get a self your loan, you can go to your whole life insurance contract and that'll be your loan. You oh, you see, yourself. you can take it out. It doesn't cost anything. No. So pretty much say your death benefit, you take, you needed 30 K to pay for a car or a vehicle. You yeah. take 30 K down. Most of the time it just pulls down your death benefit by $30,000, oh. but you already put it in. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ways and there's multiple books that are out there about a, the power of zero is a really good book. Um, but it's trying to get it to, you put X mile dollars in for 10 years, let it grow for a certain period of time. You pull all that money back out. Okay. Right. And then you still have a death benefit. So there's a situation. Even if you take all the money back out, you still have a death benefit? All the money you contributed into it, then you still have the death benefit. You paid yourself back and it's all good. Oh, so, I didn't realize that's how that worked. So there's a lot of illustrations that you can uh, go into. But, sure. Um, hold on a second. Let me, let me try to think of, because it was a Warren, Warren Buffett does this a lot. Um, I forget the saying that he ended up using. Um, it'll come to me, but okay. he ends up leveraging his life insurance policies to fund other things. So, Got it. Oh, so he uh, actually he holds his own life insurance policies and then we'll pull from that at times to yep. do every once, invest, buy yeah. things, yeah, whatever. Mm -hmm. So, but a lot of the times is a lot of people use, it's called taming the bear or how there's multiple sayings. But what you wanted to do is when you have both of them during times, of, especially when you're in retirement, you have your investments and you have a whole life insurance policy in place. Okay. If you still need money to live off of, instead of pulling off the icing off the cake in your investments, as it deteriorates, say it goes down 30% and there's no reason if you're retired that it should have went down 30% right. just because your risk tolerance, but you pull from your life insurance contract instead of your investment. And then as that investment grows, then you pay your life insurance contract back if you want to. Got so, it. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's more, that's not one-on-one, but that's a little bit more in depth. No, that's, <laughs> that's great. And then, so I guess a question that comes up right away to me would be, what's the value of having a whole life and term at the same time? So great question, because um, we do that as well. We practice what you preach, but okay. um, yeah. so when I get, we get whole life insurance put in place, but most of the time I follow it up with them getting a term policy in place as well. Okay. So for example, Shane, how are you? 29? 28. 28. Okay. So say you have a $5,000 10 pay, right? You're paying five grand. And then I say, Hey, we should get a 20 year convertible term policy for 20 years. And it's for a million dollars. Right. Okay. So 
it's really cheap. You get a million dollars there and you got that 5,000 probably give you a couple hundred thousand dollars. Right. Got it. Yes. But as you start getting older, you'll start getting more assets typically. Right. Yeah. Right. So, well, and things could happen from here in the next 20 years that you become uninsurable. So when you get a convertible term insurance policy, so I got you to say, I got you a 20 year ter convertible term. I can convert that term insurance into whole life based off of your age when you got licensed or when you took the test. Oh, so, okay. so if I mean, say now we got you a whole life insurance policy or term insurance policy right now. And then in five years from now, you have a heart attack stroke or something. Well, that we could convert that entire million dollars into whole life because you've already been tested at when you were 28 years old. Yeah. So, oh, interesting. So, so we use that kind of like, Hey, uh, on deck analogy. Hey, this yeah. term insurance is just on deck so we can convert more and more. So as you get older, it gets more and more expensive. So sure. It makes sense. Obviously bigger risk and yeah. To the so, policy, right. And that's how we end up using that aspect of it. I mean, you take in consideration if you have both of them, you're paying a fraction of a percent of what you're doing for the whole life as well. And everybody's different. Got it. Okay. So, Wild. Okay, cool. That's great. I honestly learned something there. So that's, that's <laughs> super interesting. I appreciate that. Very detailed uh, understanding. I think and you mentioned this a little bit too. I think uh, the other question I would have would be, so if you're someone who has never, has never talked to a, you know, an advisor before, um, or even someone, I guess, who has a plan with you or anyone else is with everything going on in the economy now and the uncertainty and honestly, like no one really knows what's going to happen. Is this an even more important time to start talking to someone like you? Like, are, what are you telling, you know, your clients and like, how is, how, how are you thinking about the pandemic? I think like with wealth management and the stock market in general, it's like, it's such a hot topic right now that just like, what do we do? And I think everyone has different opinions. So I would just be curious on how you guys are thinking about it. Yeah, so, and that, that is a, that's a good question because everybody, multiple advisors think of this differently, right? Um, I think it's always critical for someone, no matter what your age, to meet with a financial advisor just to get kind of their overall feedback to see where they're at, if they're on track. But based off of their goals, like what the individual client wants to accomplish, their plan is going to be different. Right. So okay. yeah. with, when we're end up meeting with someone and the stock market's going haywire um, like it is now, but it's, Hey, it's, it's doing pretty, it's bouncing back pretty good yeah, right, right now. But the thing is when we end up meeting with clients, we end up trying to turn the discussion, not all about the returns. Right. So right. if I sit down with Shane white and say, Hey, if we're contributing X, this is what we're doing. This is what we're saving. We have insurance. This is when we want to retire by, et cetera, et cetera. All I care about is trying to make sure the white family is on track to achieve their goals. Right. Okay. So right. we end up having those discussions and say, Hey, where are we at with the white index? Yes. Right. How are you doing with your plan? Now, granted returns are always going to be a discussion and, I like how our firm stacks up against anybody else. Okay. But the comprehensive planning, if you have no money or you have a lot of money is critical 
because you don't know where to start without having the budget or right. having what you want to accomplish. You yeah. can't plan for something that you don't have any idea about. Yeah. It's like, you can't, yeah, you only, you only uh, improve the things you track, right? I've heard that yeah. saying before. Yeah. It's no different with your finances. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the thing is a lot of people end up saying like, I write things down every day that I want to get accomplished. Right. Yeah. And I am on the firm belief is you will it into existence type of thing. Hey, yeah. I'm going to get X, Y, and Z done today and I'm going to get it done. So if you don't write it down, have a written plan in front of you. So you say, Hey, I'm going to stick to this. Then you're just out there just saying, Hey, I'm going to run this roller coaster. Hope my advisor's got me hey hope he's looking out for it but right i don't know what that really means to the end game right i feel like that and that maybe Adventures. is a i feel like as a young person that's probably a misconception too uh, talking to you and we've talked about it before but it's like an advisor is not it's not like you have like a crystal ball that like you can just predict everything you're trying to get people to do the right things and plan for their future and think about things that are probably not the potholes they're not expecting in the road ahead and making sure they're protected in lots of different ways sounds like yeah, and the different investment avenues as well. So, okay. I mean, when you sit down there. Diversifying, right? Yeah, diversifying, let alone your investment, or like, let alone like what your actual investments are, but diversifying between, hey, Roth, traditional, hey, maybe annuity, life insurance, the products as well. Okay. Um, yeah. if, it, if it applies. So, it's just. Every, that, that's what I love about this job is that everybody is so different. They right. view things differently and what are their priorities? So you end up taking a seat and you end up saying, okay, you have to push away kind of what exactly what I think should be done all the time right? Uh, because their goals are different than what my goals would be. Right. So, I mean, right now I am, Hey, I want to end up being able to retire right yeah but but and that's a long way down the road but some people are just like hey i just want i just want to get by and it's like sure. i just want to have enough money where i don't want to live leave enough money to the kids i just want to i wanted to be all gone when i pass and it's like okay well you can pull more money out than what the typical recommendation would be so okay. it should, so, so it really depends it, on what your goals are i mean it all comes down to exactly what you yeah. want and you, build a relation, and you build a relationship with the advisor and the advisor starts to know you and understand you better over time. And it's just a trust relationship over, uh, for a course of multiple years. And it can't just be, Hey, we met that one time and then yeah. here's your money. I, I won't talk to you ever again. Just let right. me know how it goes. So, right. Okay. And then, so if you're someone who, you know, wants to get into this, um, I guess, what would, what would someone expect if they were to, you know, reach out to you tomorrow and, and want to start the process? Like, what does the process kind of look like? I think you kind of hit on it at the beginning, but I'd be curious to know like how the process kind of works. And then, um, you know, like how often are you guys talking? Is that like, is that something that's kind of different depending on the, the client? I'm sure. Yeah. So every client has a different, um, how they want, how often they want to meet. I mean, and it doesn't have to be dollar amount either. So I have, sorry, I have clients that have, significant every everything significant amount of money you have realized that someone who has fifty thousand dollars of their life savings that's super significant to them right and you have somebody with a couple million dollars and it's like 
in their eyes, that's everything to them. So it's, it's all relative, but I have some people that are very wealthy that just want to talk once a year. I have some people that, um, don't have that much, but they want to talk once a month. So it's just, it's all relationship, just everybody, how they want to talk. But typically I end up starting our meeting. We have a prospect meeting, right? Um, initial, initial meeting where I get key information. So I get a, do you have a budget in place? Do you have a will put in place? Do you, um, if they're an older couple for the will, the legacy planning aspect of it, um, do you have any current investments? What are your expenses? So, I mean, we have this sheet, what's your income expenses. We get the whole complete picture and what we end up doing is we have a conversation, but it's all led with what they want to accomplish with the meeting. But after that, we end up using a tool called eMoney where it's a financial website. So it's like, Shane White's financial website where it links all the investments, can link your um, bank statement, link your mortgage, link everything. Oh, wow. So only thing you want to go, need to go to is just that one website. And then you can see how my net worth, my investments are doing, how my budget's going against everything. Awesome. So, yeah. so um, we end up inputting that all and then we make recommendations out of that software saying, hey, you have X disposable income, I would put 200 a month into each one of your Ross. And then, so it's just step-by-step. Step. It's not just, Hey, we sit down, we get your information. Here you go. Next day you sign. Yeah, It is right. getting to know them. And then it's a process. It's not just, we're not, it's not a salesy role either. Yeah. So, as I say, it sounds like it's much more of a relationship than anything. And that's what creates that stickiness, yeah. so to speak. Right. Um, we've realized that a lot of advisors that are just, Hey, it's transactional based. Yeah. Um, a lot of people view that and this is an insurance salesman type of thing. And Definitely. we, we don't like that stigma at all. Cause I mean, we're not going to be, we're not going to be pushing you to make it. We, we want you to take your time now. Yeah. I would love for a lot of people to become my clients, but right. Right. I don't, I don't view it that if I'm pushy, that's going to do me any good in the long run. So yeah, definitely. It's a trust mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's important. And you hit on you. So you, you I mean, that's cool. I, I didn't understand the, the background of like some of these tools that you guys use obviously, but um, I think that was going to be my last, my last main question was um, do you guys also have a perspective on guiding people through, I mean, we, we used to talk about this. We worked at Cummins, but I've always felt like getting you know, going through college, getting a finance degree, getting out we, we I feel like I spent so much time looking at like income statements and a lot of corporate finance roles but I didn't know like anything about my student loans until I got out I didn't know like how much how expensive of a car can I buy um, like yeah. what kind of house can I afford like all that stuff I kind of had to figure out on my own even going through with a finance degree so do you guys help with some of that stuff too like debt and, and what people can take on and trying to like be a coach in that regard yeah, well, a lot of more recently we've had discussions around refinancing houses. Yep, we just and did that. So yeah, so um, a lot of people are like, "Hey, I have debt. I have some. So say you have a lot of equity in your house. Say you were gifted some uh, portion of a house or something like that. Well, student loans are still you have nothing to tie it against to. So the yeah. interest rates are still a little higher. But if you have enough equity in your house or um, 
you could refinance your house with a very low interest rate and flip your student loan debt into that. So you're paying 3% instead of oh, 6 really? or 7 You can yeah, move so, them into one loan? Well, if you have the ability, if you have enough money, right, oh, you can refinance yeah. at a higher amount. So say say you had $100,000, your house was worth $200,000, you owed $100,000. Right. You had 50, 50 on your student loans, right? Well, instead of having a mortgage um, and student loans that you have $50,000 on, you're paying six, $700 on it probably a month. Yeah. You could end up rolling that. So if you have more than 20% equity, right? So right. if um, you could get a loan, technically every bank's going to be different, but say you needed to get 160. So you refinance oh, your house for 160. Yeah pay that, take that cash and pay off that student loan and just have your mortgage. You still have equity in your house. Oh, right. Seven, so it's so like a home it, equity line kind of. It's kind of yeah. It's, thing. it's, it's multiple. Yeah. yeah light, line of, rolling in a, another loan. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And then you're going to save over, over time and interest. That makes sense. Totally. Got yeah. it. So, and it also allows you for that difference of money that you saved to invest. Right. So okay. there's multiple, and a lot. I haven't done that a lot with student loans because a lot of those people, um, they ha- haven't done that with student loans yet. But a lot of people who have the equity in their houses are older. Yeah. So that's they're paying off other debts with that aspect of it. But right. Okay. Some of those people have five, six percent interest rates on their house, and they refinance for three. That three percent difference over thirty years is going to be a significant amount of money. Significant, yeah. I was shocked at that. We just went from a thirty to a fifteen, and just couldn't believe running those numbers. How much you at the end of the day on a house? It's cra- crazy how much you're going to actually spend once you factor in interest and and uh, the time. It's wild. So why'd you go? Money. Why'd you go to the fifteen? Um, so we had a, we had a relatively high rate, um, because we put, um, both our names on the mortgage and we both had good credit scores, but, um, my wife was just slightly below like excellent. So our yeah. rate was a little bit higher. So, um, obviously with the rates dropping, we just reached back out to our banker and the rates were less, they were, we got our rate by over 50%. And then we decided to look at just putting my name on the mortgage hers on the title still, but just mine on the mortgage. Cause my credit score was higher and it went down even more. So we're going to, we cut it in half. Um, and we're going to pay a couple hundred extra bucks yeah. a month. So just like the numbers to me, I was like, we can stretch a little bit further from when we bought the house. We're doing okay. And, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, 15 to 30, it's going to be like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of interest. We're going to save over the life of the loan. So yeah, I was pumped. I've always wanted to try to do the 15. This is, I've been reading so much about, you know, if you can do that, that's just like an amazing thing to be able to do um, for wealth long-term. Uh, it just seemed like it was going to be too much but with the rates coming down. I think we kind of got in at the perfect time too. Yeah. We, we reached out like right when the coronavirus stuff started happening. So we kind of got the ball rolling and then it seems like so many people flooded the market that things kind of bounced the other way. So I think we got a little bit of luck too. Yeah. Well, no. So it's interesting that you say that because there is two different trains of thoughts uh, thought with that as well with the refinancing to 30 years or 15 years. Right. So depends where your head's at, right. Or your mind's at is like, Hey, do I want to pay off my house sooner or do I want to have more cash in hand? Right. 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 So um, typically paying off your house is an emotional decision. 
uh-huh. not a financial decision. Sure. Um, say, for example, you ended up having a 30-year loan for the same amount, but you lowered that interest or lowered the interest rate by half still, right? Right. So that savings of you being able to put aside if if you're diligent and invest that difference. Yes. Right. There's, there's ways to do that. Now, people who are not, who, Hey, if it hits that bank account, it's gone, baby. It's yeah, gone. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> then you're not in a better spot financially, but if you can invest that aspect of it, and this is what Ramsey says in like yeah. whole life insurance, right? Right. The difference is there's, a tool, the whole life insurance is a tax-free investment tool that you can use. Right. So right. it's a different saying. aspect of that, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. I see what you're saying. So you're saying we, you could have, I could have kept the 30, got the rate savings, not as much as the 15, but still it would have been quite a bit of a rate savings. As long as I just like acted like that money was already being spent and put it into something that's working yeah. harder. But yeah, say, I, say, I definitely kicked that idea around. I definitely was like looking into it and then, I don't know. I don't know what we finally were to say. But, but say you ended up, say what you saved, it'd be five, $600 a month. I don't know. Yeah, right. 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 Say you did that for the next 15 years. Yeah. With that, with growth and say a moderate, say 4% interest rate. Right. Here, what would that account be? If you end up at the end of 15 years, if you put that money away, you could have probably wrote a check to the bank and still had more money left over. I see what you're saying. Yes. Right. But right. you have to be, I have to have a plan and follow it. Right. Yep. So right. the hard part is things happen in life. Right. So you have to eat in that emergency fund. You might have to take from that fund. So it's all of what that individual client feels more confident in. So my, like my parents, they've been, I mean, this part about what, the way they were raised and everything, they didn't want to have any debt. Yes. And so and it's like, okay, that is, that is yours, but they grew up probably not very wealthy. So it is like, well, now we, now they're fifth in the fifties and they, they don't have any debt, but they haven't saved as much for retirement as they would have liked. Now, don't get me wrong. They're doing well and all that kind of stuff, but it would have been different if they would have used more money for investments than let alone just paying off debt the entire time. Okay. So it's a, it's a so you, fine balance. Yeah. So you, you're, uh, you're on the, you're more in the camp of like, let the money work for you harder before necessarily being debt free. Cause it, like, it's funny. Cause it depends who you talk to, right? Like Ram, Ramsey, I've listened to a lot of his stuff. He's so about like, get the shit, get the debt out of here, get it the done. Debt snowball. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, Which is what we're actually, we're actually kind of doing something similar to that right now. Cause we, and, and that's it, it, more than fine. Okay. I think it's, I, I mean, so like I said, everybody has that different, but absolutely. make sure you're doing that for 401k, doing your match, right? Make sure you're taking advantage of that. Make sure you have your emergency fund and make sure we're still having some investments if you have disposable income. Not, I, the people who follow it to a T, they feel really good about themselves with the investment for with paying off all debt. Yeah. So there is a, there is a mentality, Hey, I don't owe anybody anything. Now I can start saving for retirement. Right. It's just trying to find, it depends what stage in life you are at. That makes you know, sense. Wait, yeah. So it, it balances and I'm fine yeah. with when clients are say, Hey, I follow Ramsey. Yeah. I mean, 
Um, I just feel like sometimes the clientele that he reaches out to are so far in over their head yeah. where they need to do that. Yeah. I mean, that, they don't have any other option, right? You right. are just swamped with debt. Right. Um, and for other people, it makes sense to do things that he doesn't say. So, I you totally hear that. That the, like I don't know if anyone listening to the podcast today. I don't know if you know who Dave Ramsey is or not. But if you don't, you can easily YouTube or Google it and get the gist pretty quick. But yeah. um, like I thought it was interesting. Like one of his first steps is he'd get a thousand dollar emergency fund, and I was like, I remember sitting there thinking, like, I guess it all depends on your life situation. But I, you know, I live in Chicago and it's expensive, and. Yeah me sitting here thinking like if something went wrong with our house a thousand dollars is all we had in cash like that's not gonna cover <laughs> or even to be yeah, honest like we've had issues anything. with the dog our dog ate mulch last summer and his bill if he would have had the surgery he needed it was gonna be five thousand dollars and i was like <laughs> yeah a thousand dollars so there's definitely things in anyone's strategy that you know there's it's not yeah. bulletproof and i think that's why i personally think finance is so interesting because there's it's all numbers which people usually think numbers there's one answer to everything and with i feel like with your wealth it's really that's not the case there's like so well, many different perspectives if we had a crystal ball and i knew what the interest rates returns and everything were going to be yeah then yes right. but we don't know those to be exact we're using infor as inform more information comes in the more we're adapting our portfolios right. so in it's just a hey, changing with the times but um to again like Say your basement floods, Shane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah, a lot of things I mean, happened last year to us. If I had a thousand dollars and I paid that extra couple, uh, couple hundred dollars the past couple months, where to debt, but I needed that to pay for my basement. Right. Wh where do you go? You go where into you go? more debt. Yeah. You have to go into more debt, and it's like, okay, well, I need to get that fund back up before we end up doing that. Right. And Tara and I are doing a kind of a combination, right? We're still doing our investments, but I mean, as money, more money comes in, more money is going to pay off debt too. So yeah, it's great. like, um, it's a kind of more, I'm, I think in between is where most people need to fit in. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you need to, uh, you need to pay off your debt, obviously, yeah. but you also don't need to go, Hey, I'm not putting everything in envelopes yes. and then yeah. it's all gone. Right. Yeah. We, I also, a lot of people on this podcast are probably going to be younger, right? We need, I'm under the viewpoint, you guys need to live a little bit too. Sure. Oh yeah. So right. There's a, there's an aspect to that instead of 100%. saying, hey, I, got, I got a hundred dollars. Well, in Chicago, a hundred dollars isn't going to pay for much in the, no, <laughs> no. I mean, it's funny there. It's like, it's such a balance because I mean, you and I both know, like I, we had a good buddy uh, at Cummins that passed away while I was working there. And yeah. he's a constant reminder to me of like, he was super into investing, put everything away. He could, he even like, he always wanted to buy this super nice car and he always drove this beater just so he could save extra money. And so it's like, you never know too. You never know like, you know, how long you're yeah. going to be around. So it's like great to have a plan, but you also, to your point, need to like live life a little bit. I think it's funny. You probably see some of this maybe when you were in Columbus working in downtown Chicago, it's hilarious that like, I mean, and I work full time for a, for a company in the city. And so our demographic, our average age is like 29 at our company, which is incredibly young. And yeah, I can't tell you how many people live in the city they're doing well, I'm sure. I mean, most people are doing pretty well that work in the city, like uh, uh, salary-wise. But then you have people who, you know, have a very expensive, like, loft apartment downtown. They walk in with, you know, all the nice designer branded everything. 
They have a Starbucks coffee every morning. They go out to lunch every day and spend 20 bucks, 15 bucks somewhere in Chicago. Then they, you know, get a coffee in the afternoon and they're out getting drinks at night. So you like, there's so many different, you know, sides of the spectrum. There's people that spend every penny, like you said, come, if it's coming in the bank, it's going to get spent. Some people probably oversave, but it seems like from talking to you now, it definitely feels like there's just a healthy balance and a plan. And like with anything, if you don't have a plan on what you want to accomplish, you're not going to take the right yeah. steps towards that. So when we end up getting with the budget aspect of it and you have your, um, you have a, what your expenses, what are your incomes, right? And then right. you get your discretionary spend, all that kind of stuff. So when we upload all that information into our software tool, it creates a cash flow statement for you. Oh, cool. So, so it creates a balance sheet, cash flow statement. It does the whole shebang. It's pretty the whole cool. Big, the whole it's thing. Great oh, that's software. cool. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, and all our clients, we give it to them for free, all that kind of stuff. So it's a part of our uh, package that we oh, offer wow. clients. Okay. Yeah. Um, but when we end up doing, I'll send you the link. I'll send you a link after. Okay. Um, yeah, that'd be great. I can add it to the show notes too if people want to check it out. Um, but one of the things that uh, I have found a lot is not judging a book by its cover, obviously. Yeah. But. Um, and my, a lot of my, some of my relatives were this way too, but, uh, like you end up, we're in farm country, right? right so for sure. like you'll end up having somebody come in with an old beater truck and okay. then you end up having them and you're just like, okay, you, you they come in and then they show you their portfolio and right. you're like, what, <laughs> what is going on? And then you have somebody else come over and they have, brand new Mercedes or new Tesla or something. And you're like, okay, well we need to get to work. Right. Like, <laughs> and so it's just how people, what they put value on is different. Sure. And yeah, uh, I don't know where you're going for lunch all the time for $20, but <laughs> I'm in Chicago, you'd be shocked. You get like a little salad with some meat on it and the bill comes up 50. That's why I bring my lunch every day. <laughs> yeah. Right. You just take our, or uh, what's it? RX bars all just, the time. Yeah, just eat, <laughs> I eat a lot of those too. Yeah. It's good to work for a food company if you live in an expensive city because you can just eat your food for free. <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's good. That's uh, awesome. Well, cool, man. I really appreciate it. I think we're probably running out of time. So, I mean, I, it was really helpful talking to you. I think, uh, I think people will get a ton of value out of this episode. So I appreciate okay. you taking the time and explaining all this stuff. Is there, um, I always like to finish up. Is there a, for you, I think it'd be an interesting question of, um, is, do you have any like podcasts or books or anything you would suggest people? Like if you had to pick one that you would give as a suggestion, do you have one, like a book or a podcast to name off the top of your head? I, so I have another advisor um, in our network that does a lot of podcasts with a lot of surrounding business owners. Um, his name is Josh Knoll. Okay. Um, he, he, his podcasts are usually pretty good. Um, but one of the power of zero, I think is a very good book for people who are in this range. So it leverages, it's the power of zero is trying to be in the 0% tax bracket when you retire. Oh, okay. So it's trying to get a lot of your money in the tax-free bucket. So you have the tax, uh, tax-free, taxable, and tax-deferred. Okay. Most people's yes. money in the tax-deferred bucket because of 401k. It's right. all about during that plan, moving that money to that tax-free aspect of it. Oh, so cool. it, it's an interesting. Yeah. You know who wrote the book? David McKnight, I think. Okay. I'll add that to the notes too, just so okay. everyone can, can find that. That's awesome. 
yeah awesome. so but yeah i'll send uh i'll add the we have a little video that I can send you uh, about e-money um, yeah. and then I'll give you my contact information. But if anybody wants to reach out or just have a conversation, just um, go to the notes and get in contact with me. I have awesome. clients all, I have clients all over the country. So okay. yeah, I was going to say, I was going to mention that you're based out of Indiana, but you said you have clients everywhere. So if anyone yeah, we do a, this, yeah, we do a lot of zoom meetings. Um, okay. And if Chicago, I can go up there for a day and meet a bunch oh, of perfect. clients, all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I go to Nashville. I do. I'd make that four hour drive all yeah. the time. Right. Yeah. So. You're a lot closer. I always forget how close you guys are to Nashville. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, that's good. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it. We, uh, and then, so I'll add your email address to this. Is there, what's the best way to get a hold of you if people are um, interested in talking to you further? So just, uh, I'll have you attach the business card and just call the Perfect. main office at okay. the end of the bottom. Awesome. All right? Okay. Or just email me at thorn@geestingfinancial.com. Perfect. There we go. It's hard to spell. So you need to look at the So notes. we can look it up. I can put it in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. Cool, buddy. Well, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, this hey, I'm awesome. glad we finally got it done. I know, man. Me too. We've been talking about it for a long time. So and if you, it's good. If you, have any, if you have anybody uh, draw any questions and want to talk again, I'll be happy to come on again. Yeah. I was going to say, I'd love to have you on again. This was, this was a lot of fun. I really right. appreciate it. Good cool. deal. All right. I'll see ya. Sounds good. Thanks, Thorne. Thank See you, you, man. Bye. All right. Bye. Oh, hey there, everybody. Not quite done yet. Just wanted to add a little ending to today's episode. Uh, if you look in the show notes, don't forget there's a few links there. The first one being a link to uh, my stock market rebound tracker. This is essentially a free Google Sheet tool for any of you to use and share with your friends um, that just basically maps out the stocks that I am keeping an eye on, uh, potentially looking to invest in and really just wanting to keep on the radar. So definitely check that out. And then if you are new to investing and really want to try it for yourself, uh, I would suggest using the second link in the show notes, which is basically a link to Robinhood, which is the platform I use for all of my investments. You get free trading, no commission fees whatsoever. And by the way, Robinhood is not a sponsor of the podcast, Um, but you will be able to get a free stock uh, by signing up using my link. So get after it. Try out some investing. Uh, Thanks again for listening. And most importantly, stay positive. Have a good day. And I will talk to you guys soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.